What's up? What's up, everybody? This is episode 219 of Top Rope Nation. A couple of days late, but we got it out for you. It's our look back at WWE SummerSlam 2021. This show is going to be a little bit different than our typical pay-per-view review shows. And that's because Kyle and I are actually recording these tracks individually. I have not talked with Kyle about his opinion on SummerSlam. And uh, he has not heard my opinion. So we're, this is Ryan. I'm, I'm recording before Kyle records. It is uh, late Sunday evening. And Kyle will be recording his track tomorrow. And I'm going to mix these together and, and put it out. And the reason we're putting this show out in this fashion is because the schedule changed a little bit. If you're over in our Facebook group, uh, or our Patreon page, you've, you've, you've seen the updates. Basically, we did that show Friday night after AEW Rampage, our extra show, and I talked about how our buddy Zach Haydorn from Pro Wrestling Torch was going to be joining me on the SummerSlam post-show on Saturday night, and obviously that didn't happen. Uh, unavoidable circumstances, uh, Zach was unable to join me on Saturday night, so we couldn't do the show. Uh, the reason we couldn't do the show is because Zach was subbing for both Kyle and Justin, uh, Kyle had a birthday party for himself that night. I uh, had a good time. And Justin was 10 hours away from home in Columbus, Ohio. Actually, not too far away from Kyle. So it was just me. I didn't want to do a solo show. Zach was going to sub. Zach's been on the show many, many times before. You, If you're a longtime listener of Top Rope Nation, you've heard Zach Hador before. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to join us. Um, and so I decided to, to delay this a little bit. I wasn't sure if we were even going to do a SummerSlam post show, but then Kyle said he'd be game to to watch it and record his review on Monday, and I thought, well, I can do it here on Sunday night. So I'm going to go through my thoughts on the show. Uh, there's going to be an ad break, and then Kyle will give you your give you guys his thoughts on the show. Look, this is this is the second biggest pay per view of the year for WWE. Actually, in some ways, it's the biggest pay per view this year since they had that huge crowd out in Las Vegas. So I, w- I would have felt kind of bad to to not do a review of it. Circumstances were certainly making it a little bit difficult, but I wanted to come through for you all and at least give you our thoughts, maybe in delayed fashion, but hopefully you'll still enjoy listening to this. So I'm going to go through the show kind of in brief and and give you my thoughts. But before I do, let's get everything out of the way. Of course, if you have never listened to Top Rope Nation before, we are members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs. We are available wherever podcasts are found, whether it is Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TopRopeNation.com. Do us a favor, subscribe via your favorite listening platform and leave us a review. If you leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and leave your Twitter or Instagram username in the review, I'll get a hold of you. I'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail for your trouble. Now, this show was originally going to be a video show immediately after SummerSlam went off the air. But as I just explained, we weren't able to do that. But most of our podcasts, we do a video version as well. So subscribe to us on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Top Rope Nation. Every subscription helps us out quite a bit. And uh, as I said, most of our shows are available in video form and If you enjoy the podcast version, you'll probably enjoy checking out the video version. And the best way to support the show is by becoming a patron. The link is here in the podcast description. The URL is patreon.com slash toprope nation. 
We put out a lot of bonus podcasts over there for just $5 a month. You go to Extra Podcasts each and every week, Top Rope Nation Extra, and a monthly bonus podcast, Top Rope Nation Classics. This month's Top Rope Nation Classics has already been recorded. We look back at SummerSlam 1989. It's dropping this week for Patreon supporters. You're going to hear a 15-minute preview here on the main feed on Friday, but to hear the full show, you're going to need to become a patron best way to support what we're doing and the growth of Top Rope Nation. In fact, the Patreon page has been blowing up recently. I want to give a special thanks to everyone who has joined in the last couple of weeks. In fact, since we last recorded, we have had two new patrons join. So shout out to Danny Ortiz and Brian Blake. Greatly, greatly appreciate you supporting what we're doing by becoming patrons of Top Rope Nation. That brings us up to 23 patrons. We are too short of our goal of 25, when we reach 25 patrons, I will release the unheard Kyle solo edition of Top Rope Nation Extra from last week. It was a show me and him did the next day because Kyle was frustrated with his performance. I've heard it. It wasn't that bad, but Kyle wanted to redo it. So I did the show with him. We put it out, but Kyle has agreed to release the Kyle only version of Top Rope Nation Extra from a couple of weeks ago when we reached 25 patrons. We're just two people short, you guys. So if we can get two signups this week, I'll release that over on the Patreon feed. But like I said, bonus podcasts, access to the show notes, depending on which tier you join, monthly Zoom hangouts with us, merchandise packs. It's the best way to support what we're doing. It's blowing up. It's been awesome to see the growth of the Patreon page. Check it out. You can see all the benefits and, and all the tiers. It's patreon.com slash Nation. So what did I think of SummerSlam? Well, if you read my column, which published on Sunday over at Pro Wrestling Torch, maybe you got kind of a glimpse of what I thought of the show. I'm not going to go real in, dip, in, real in depth on every single match, uh, but I want to hit it a couple, of, a couple of highlights. Number one, of course, Big E was on the kickoff show. Not really where you want to see Mr. Money in the Bank. He did defeat Baron Corbin, so he got on on the winning side. Some people were wondering if we'd see a cash-in at SummerSlam. But based on the way that this card played out and the matches at hand, I didn't think we would see that happen. We didn't. And, you know, since Big E is a babyface, it makes a lot more sense for him, as we've said on the podcast before, to to maybe declare ahead of time that he's going to cash in the Money in the Bank, Uh, you know, kind of, a la Rob Van Dam in, in 2006 when he did that for ECW One Night Stand. But I think it would be the benefit of Big E to, to cash in it in advance and to hype the match. So that was on the kickoff show. I mean, it was a it was a pretty beef, brief match. It was decent, but Big E was successful. I do want to say, too, awesome location for SummerSlam, Las Vegas. Uh, they did announce during the show that they're going to return to Allegiant Stadium. I think it's Allegiant Stadium um, next next year for Money in the Bank 2022. I, I believe the Top Rope Nation crew is planning on going to Vegas in May for AEW Double or Nothing. So maybe we'll have to go twice in two months and, and check out Money in the Bank next year. I don't know. We'll see. But cool that, that they're going to be returning. Beautiful venue. They had a great crowd for SummerSlam. There's a couple points during the show, though, where they almost lost the crowd, as we will get to. And the first time that happened was in the second match of the evening get to that momentarily what opened the show was rk bro orton and riddle taking on aj styles and omos and you know i i kind of like this i've talked about it on the show i I like the pairing of orton and riddle was not 
really all that surprised to uh, to see them beat the champions and become the ROG, the Raw Tag Team title holders. Looking at the uh, the world title and the universal title championship matches on this show where we were not likely going in to get title changes, it didn't really surprise me at all to see that they would do a lot of title changes on the undercard. That's exactly what they did. So we saw Orton and Riddle capture the Raw Tag Team titles. But this Alexa Bliss and Eva Marie match. Now, I was told ahead of time that with Alexa Bliss and uh, Lily the doll that uh, she has been using on TV. I was told that the future of this storyline was going to depend on the sales of Lily the doll at SummerSlam. My God, people. Now, I did see a few of them in the crowd. I'm hoping not too many of them sold, though, I'm going to be honest, because this is just cringeworthy stuff. And honestly, that audience in in Las Vegas could have cared less about this match. Uh, God bless Alexa Bliss trying to make the best of what she's given here, but people don't care about the storyline, and Eva Marie is not over whatsoever. She, When Eva Marie came out for this match, she got absolutely no reaction from 50,000 strong, accompanied by Dewdrop, of course, who, who turned on Eva after the match as Alexa Bliss was victorious in 3 minutes and 50 seconds. Nothing to write home about, nothing to watch on your own time. Uh, Damian Priest over Sheamus, 13 minutes, uh, 13 minutes and 50 seconds. They gave him a good amount of time, a good hard-hitting match. I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit. Damian Priest picking up the WWE US title by defeating Sheamus here. And and Sheamus always has matches that are very realistic, I think you could say. Uh, of course, is it hard-hitting? But his matches always come across like uh, not really, not strong style by New, J- New Japan standards, but very believable and uh these are two big dudes going at it here for almost 15 minutes and this was a good one so they go from this to the tag team title match with the usos retaining over ray and his son dominic 10 minutes and 50 seconds here decent match um i I don't know i don't know really what to say because you know dominic is he's been kind of controversial among wrestling fans, you know, because obviously he's got this spot because of his, because of his father. When you look at how little time he has put in in the wrestling business, I think he's doing a pretty good job. But he's certainly not on the level of most of the performers on SummerSlam. So he, he's kind of been facing a little bit of you know pushback, at least online, like in the Twitter sphere, at least from my timeline goes. But I thought he was. He was fine here. The match was pretty average. You know, Ray is still doing, even at his age, some pretty top-level work here and there. But, you know, with the Usos retaining, I, I, I think going in, I figured that they would. You know, they want to keep this bloodline faction going strong. And you know, with them holding the SmackDown tag titles and Roman as the universal champion, it makes sense to have them retain. So I didn't really think we'd see a title change here, and we did not. Now, we got the first surprise of the evening. Now, people were talking about this as maybe being reactionary to what happened on Rampage on Friday night with CM Punk Day being with AEW. But I'm told that this was not reactionary. In fact, Becky Lynch had been planned to appear here in this match with Bianca Belair for several days, which is problematic because... Of course, they were promoting Sasha and Bianca for days when they knew Sasha Banks was not going to be performing in this match. Uh, she was unable to be cleared to wrestle. We, the full story is still not out on what's going on 
with Sasha Banks. But they've known since last weekend Sasha Banks was not going to wrestle in this match. Yet they still played the full hype video before the match. Uh, they were pr- promoting it on on Friday night during SmackDown when Bianca Belair worked two brief matches. But then the match starts. Bianca comes out and they announce Sasha is not going to compete. And out comes Carmella. Right? And you're thinking, Carmella? Really? Like, how many times do we need to see Bianca Belair work Carmella? This can't possibly be what they're promoting for SummerSlam. And uh, they're getting ready to start the match. And bang, Becky Lynch's theme comes on. Out comes Becky Lynch. Got a huge reaction. But I do have to say, watching this in comparison to what we saw on AEW, WWE's flaws with their production style was at hand here. Now, everyone talks about the shaky cam and the the camera cuts that WWE uses all the time on Raw and SmackDown. And I really hate that too. But another thing that they do that I don't like is commentate over absolutely everything. Now, I will say that Pat McAfee, I thought was pretty good on the show, mostly because he's a good change of pace. Although he can kind of get on your nerves at time, at times, He's different. You know, he's not one of those robotic WWE announcers that we're so used to. But he is just going nuts as Becky Lynch makes her return and her entrance. And Michael Cole is just going nuts too. And he is just shrieking incessantly as Becky makes her entrance. And the difference between this and what we saw on AEW with CM Punk is there was some there was some announcing over CM Punk's entrance, but they kind of let you take it in. You know, listening to that United Center crowd. Here at SummerSlam, it was hard to take in the reaction that Becky Lynch was getting at Allegiant Stadium because the announcers were just shrieking over the top of it non-stop. And when I went back and I watched this again, I really noticed, you know, how much that took away from Becky's entrance. But she, you know, she definitely got a huge pop. But it's an awkward situation, right? Because you have Bianca Belair, who's a baby face. Taking on a returning Becky Lynch, also a babyface. And Becky, you know, clears the ring of Carmella and she challenges Bianca to this match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. And Bianca accepts, and I know the story is going to be moving forward, that Bianca was not ready to face Becky Lynch. She didn't know she was going to face Becky Lynch. She had two challengers here that she wasn't ready to face. But to beat Bianca Belair... In 27 seconds, somebody that this company has been building up as a new face in the women's division, a new top star since WrestleMania, so actually since before WrestleMania, to do her here like they did Kofi to Brock Lesnar on that SmackDown on Fox premiere was absolutely criminal. Now, there's people online saying, let it play out. You know, they're going to have another match, which they will, and they'll probably tear the house down. That's all true. But the problem is, this company has given me absolutely no reason to believe that they can competently book this moving forward. And the damage that has been done to Bianca Belair's character by losing in 27 seconds is is frightening, you guys. So... I hope that they book this well moving forward, but I mean, there's a chance that Becky Lynch is going to face some fan backlash for this. Bianca Belair is incredibly popular. Now, this would have made sense to do this squash victory 
if Becky was coming on there and beating like you know someone like Carmella for the title. But to be to beat Bianca Belair in twenty seven seconds, especially right after they announced that, oh yeah, let's you know we're gonna accept this match, we're gonna blow the roof off Allegiant Stadium, and then do it in twenty seven seconds. This was just this was gruesome. You got I, I I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know how anyone signed off on this. They can definitely make it right. But like I said, creative in this company has given me no faith that they're going to be able to do so. I hope they will because I love Bianca Belair. She's been one of the few shining lights on WWE television this year. And I hope that she can recover from this. But my God, 27 seconds. Becky Lynch is the new SmackDown Women's Champion. At this point, they are... They go into two matches in a row where it's close to losing the crowd. And it, first of all, I got to say, with these stadium crowds, it's very, very hard to tell if they're into the show or not because they're sitting so far from the ring. They're not mic'd up very well that a lot of the time it appears they're dead even if they are reacting. But I do truly think that when they went into Drew versus Gender next, a four-minute and 40-second match that Drew won... Nobody really wants to see Drew McIntyre work in Jinder Mahal. Obviously, Drew has fallen off a bit, to say the least, since he was WWE champion. But then to go to this feud with Jinder, someone he's wanted to work with. Look, I, I interviewed Drew McIntyre about a year ago, and he was talking about how he really wanted to work Jinder because they've been close friends for a long time. But working Jinder Mahal is not doing Drew McIntyre a lot of favors at this point in his career, especially when he's trying to recover from losing some steam coming out of his long title reign. So this is really not what the crowd wanted to see. They were completely disengaged in this match. Not very good. Drew gets the victory. And then they go into this Charlotte versus Nikki almost superhero and Rhea Ripley match. And this was actually a very good match. But nobody was surprised when Charlotte won the Raw Women's title yet again. Nobody bought Nikki to win here because of how she's been booked on TV. Although... I got to tell you, Nikki did get some good reactions from the crowd. But I think if you were predicting this match, nobody thought she was walking out champion. Charlotte and Rhea have been working each other in various ways for months and months and months. So it's kind of repetitive in that sense. Uh, But like I said, they had a good match. Uh, I didn't think the crowd was with them as much as they had hoped, though. And so following Drew and Jinder to go into this one, some cool spots. Uh, Charlotte, you know, she hit that twisting moonsault to the outside, which looked really cool. A lot of times she barely connects on this. This one time, this time she really hit it. Nikki was kind of smashed in between, uh, Rhea, Charlotte and the ringside barrier was worried about her health there for a second. Um, that looked cool. The match, like I said, was good, but it didn't seem like the crowd was with them too much. And I felt like the show was really, really close to going off the rails here. But luckily, Edge and Seth Rollins come out. Uh, arguably the best match of the show, or at least the second best match of the show. To this point, it was easily the best match of SummerSlam 2021. These guys had their working boots on. They were ready to work a, a really competitive match. Edge was creative in that he came out recreating his days with The Brood back in the late 90s. I'm a huge fan. Of that theme song, by the way. And to hear that song again and to see Edge come up that elevator through the fire, come halfway down the entrance ramp, and then go into the Alter Bridge song, it was a hell of an entrance. Great presentation. And I thought that these guys, 
know, they really saved the show here. They had a, a really hard-hitting, competitive match that Edge won in, in 21 minutes and 15 seconds. So I thought that they changed the trajectory of SummerSlam at this point because I was I was a little worried, you know, grading the show, that I was going to be close to that D range. You know, looking back at what we had seen so far, you know, the way that they did Bianca Belair, the Alexa Bliss Eva match, it, this was not a great, great show to this point in time. This saved things. All right, this was this was one that was worth going out of your way to watch. If they had not had a good match here, you're rolling next into Bobby Lashley and Goldberg, a match that it seemed like nobody in Las Vegas wanted to see. So if Edge and Rollins didn't have a good match, they really would have lost this crowd because you go into Lashley and Goldberg. Lashley is obviously supposed to be the heel. Goldberg, the babyface, loud boos for Goldberg. Who could have ever thought? that that would happen as predicted right here on top rope nation weeks and weeks ago i think i said that goldberg was probably going to be booed in this match and in fact he was all right nobody wants to see 54 year old bill goldberg working a wwe championship match in 2021 but here we are Bobby Lashley did all kinds of dirty stuff. You know, he's on the outside of the ring throwing Goldberg's knee into the ringside barrier. He's using a chair. He's attacking Goldberg's son. And this crowd loved every minute of it. The problem? Goldberg didn't lay down for Bobby Lashley. This is a referee stoppage. Goldberg is injured. He can't continue the ref stops the match. And then after the match, you've got Bobby attacking him, attacking his son to get heat. Now, they could have done all of that and still had Goldberg lay down for Bobby. So obviously these two are are working together moving forward. They're probably working together over in Saudi Arabia. You know, so that's unfortunate. Because <laughs> nobody wants to see this match again. But that's where we're at. And to me, it really, really stunk to see Bobby Lashley and Goldberg have a seven-minute match and to not see Bobby Lashley pin Goldberg at the second biggest show of the year. But that's where we're at. They're going at it again. Apparently, we're getting Bobby Lashley and Goldberg at least one more time. Nobody seemed to be satisfied with that. So we get to the main event, Roman Reigns and John Cena. All right, these two delivered. Cena has been away for so long. He hasn't worked a match this long in a very, very... Long amount of time. But John Cena, I got to tell you, this guy has not missed a beat. And Roman Reigns, you know, doing some of the best work of his career. Very evident here. He had the crowd booing him. The crowd was mostly behind John Cena. John Cena came out with a new t-shirt. Super Mario Brothers 3 themed. uh, With all of his championship victories on the back. I thought that was pretty cool. The ribbon boards in the arena also listed as he was coming out all the dates of his championship victories. A nice touch. And I think we talked about this on Top Rope Nation before, but you know, John Cena is advertised to appear at shows through September. So I thought there might be an outside chance he wins here and sets the all-time championship victory at number 17. Uh, and the crowd bought it too. Lots of near falls during this match. Uh, Roman doing a great job of kicking out at the last possible split second. There's one moment late in the match where Roman kicked out of a top rope AA that John Cena hit. And I mean, 
that referee's hand was so close to hitting that mat. That crowd went absolutely nuts when he kicked out. I mean, this was an emotional roller coaster. In the end, Roman gets the victory after the Superman punches and, and the spear, and Cena lays down for him, as he should. Roman should win this match. The problem we've talked about on Top Rope Nation, though, is that who does Roman have for challengers? He's beat everybody. Out comes Brock Lesnar, looking like he is fresh off the set of Vikings. He got that new hairdo, that that ponytail. We haven't seen Brock Lesnar in almost a year and a half. And he faces off here with Roman Reigns to close the show. And I got to tell you, man, this, this crowd went nuts for that face-off. Now, do I completely buy that they're hyped for the match? Considering I was at WrestleMania 34 when these two went at it at WrestleMania for the second time and the crowd hijacked the show and booed everything. It's hard for me to take it seriously that people really want to see this. But at the same time, it's the dynamics are so much different here. Now I hope they can sustain the momentum they had here for the face off because, you know, like I said, the crowd went nuts for it. Can they sustain that? And by the time they get to the match, everyone invested the past makes me skeptical. But the dynamics of this match make me hopeful because in the past we had a situation where Roman Reigns, you know, he was that forced baby face as we saw for years and people did not want to cheer him, right? So the fans revolted. But now Roman is portraying himself in a whole different way. He's got this heel run. He's been great. He is arguably the best thing on WWE television. One of the only things, to be honest, worth watching on WWE television over the last couple of months. And and Brock is fresh now. You know, this is the longest absence Brock has had since he returned to the company. What, 2012, I believe? So, Brock feels fresh. People have been waiting for him to come back. Roman isn't the uh, round peg going into the square hole now. He's, he's kind of more in line with what he should have been all along. So, there's a chance, you know, if they play this up right and when they get to this match... This is the match, maybe, that the company has always wanted it to be, finally. You know, they they had a great match at WrestleMania 31 back in 2015. Of course, Rollins joined the match late and cashed in and everything. But if you go back and you watch that run, one Roman and Brock had a hell of a match. Way better than what they did three years later at WrestleMania 34. But this could be that high-profile match that the company has dreamed of between Roman and Brock. You know, it seems like this is the perfect time to do it. The crowd bought in, obviously. It was a hell of a moment to close the show. So if I'm grading SummerSlam 2021, there's the two high spots. There is Edge and Rollins and this main event. Great, great matches. There's the misses with Becky and Bianca. Although we did get Becky back, which was cool, but the way that that was portrayed and the way it played out not great there was that cringeworthy alexa and eva marie match like i said damian priest and sheamus pretty good uh i'm gonna give the show a c all right I, there was a, there was some real low points throughout i'm not sure that there was a lot on the show that makes me want to tune into wwe television this week of course i'll be following along for all of you listeners but you know overall Two must-see matches, Edge and Rollins, Roman and Cena. The return of Brock was cool. 
but they were really close to to losing this crowd and losing the viewers at various points in the show. Again, I haven't heard Kyle's review. He's about to check in here. So we're going to go to a word from this week's sponsors. And when we come back, it's time for Kyle Ross's view of SummerSlam 2021. All right, everybody, it's Kyle. As you know by now, we are doing our SummerSlam 2021 review much differently than normal. Uh, Ryan and I have recorded our thoughts solo, uh, but by God, as always, we are together in spirit as we bring to you our thoughts on SummerSlam 2021 Top Rope Nation style. Just to peel back the curtain a bit, I celebrated my birthday Saturday night. It was the real biggest party of the summer. Thank you very much. Had a great time at Forest City Brewery with so many friends. Big shout out to both Brian Landrashina and Mike Johnson, two big Top Rope Nation supporters. They were there. Thank you for those shots, boys. Really enjoyed myself. Uh, bring that up, not to rub it in that I was at a great party Saturday night, but because originally I was not going to be a part of this review for SummerSlam. But Fane intervened a bit. Here I am. I love sharing my thoughts with you guys anyway. Hopefully one or two of you enjoy listening to them even. So uh, I'm going to start this review with one of the most common questions a person can ask. Why? As in, why did I even bother watching SummerSlam? Not really into WWE these days. You know that. So it makes sense that I wasn't really into this show. I'm going to grade it a C-. minus. It was an average show with a poor build and no great matches. Going in. I think we all expected that they would be beating John Cena, who had been the most over person on television. So there had to be some surprises. There were surprises, and I will get into those later on. Obviously, didn't watch a show live, uh, was at a party, watched the show Monday morning, knew everything that had happened, though. I obviously can't avoid Twitter for 48 hours. Uh, honestly, knowing the stories that are set to unfold, for me, makes it easier to evaluate them. So I don't mind watching shows this way at all. Uh, I was also able to fast forward entrances and video packages and commercials on a show that went four plus hours. Uh, wasn't this supposed to be over by 11 p.m. Eastern Saturday night? Uh, hopefully no one in Allegiant Stadium had Manny Pacquiao tickets. Uh, here we go. I'm going to go match by match with my thoughts, starting with the pre-show. Yes, there was a match on the pre-show. Big E defeated Baron Corbin in 632 with the big ending. Did not get a chance to see this match. Uh, because it was the pre-show and they don't put that up on the cock. But uh, I do have to say, Big E, current Money in the Bank briefcase holder, easier for you to say, uh, hopefully he's going to be in more prominent positions moving forward. It was at this time last year that people in WWE Creative were pushing for him to win the Rumble and main event WrestleMania opposite Roman Reigns. Uh, obviously that didn't happen. Hopefully we can get him moving uh, as a top baby face on whichever brand he ends up on post-draft. With Baron Corbin, I am not sure if anyone listened to Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Radio in the middle of the week, but he proposed a storyline where Corbin would win big in Vegas, perhaps an homage to 1996 Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, I'm kind of shocked they didn't do anything like that. Maybe something was filmed. I'm going to say something positive right now. Honestly, Corbin's character work has amused me during this gimmick, so he's doing okay. Uh, Pay-per-view proper opened with RK Bro, that's Randy Orton and Matt Riddle beating AJ Styles and Omos in 706 to win the Raw Tag Team titles. This was actually the match on the card I was looking forward to the most. AJ and Omos kind of feel like a legit attraction to me. 
it's been a good pairing for both at the respective stages uh, of their careers, but they are obviously tag champs no longer. It's going to be interesting to see if they are kept together after this loss. It's also interesting to see if RK Bro is a long-term thing or just a vehicle to do a short-term breakup and have them feud. People are into them as an act, which is one of the reasons I was looking forward to this match. Uh, During it, AJ had a nice moonsault into reverse DDT on the outside, but not long after, Orton hit the RKO on Styles to get the win. Later in the show, Riddle promised a surprise for Orton on Raw. If it's not a bag of weed, that's a missed opportunity in my book. So next, we go to Alexa Bliss, who beat Eva Marie in 349 with a DDT. What are my thoughts on this match? Hmm. Moving on. Actually, let's not move on just yet. I do have some things I'd like to share uh, here. I was in tears at Jimmy Smith, uh, the announcer for Raw, drawing attention to a sign that read, Eva Marie is worse than an airport tuna sandwich. Not sure if they wanted him bringing that up. If they did, okay. But uh, I laughed. And listen, there are many reasons why the Eva Dewdrop pairing sucks. Making it clear that they will break up as soon as they were introduced as an act, chief among them. Uh, DiBiase, Virgil, this is not. Dreadful, and everyone involved should absolutely be ashamed of themselves, quite frankly. Damian Priest beat Sheamus with Reckoning in 1349 to win the U.S. title. This was a match I was looking forward to a little bit. It was a chance to put a title, albeit a secondary one, on an ascended talent. And the time is now for Priest. He's 38, for crying out loud. Uh, He also landed badly on his previously injured back doing a dive early in the match. Sheamus' U.S. title run, I don't know how to evaluate properly. He's good. I think he's been one of the better in-ring guys in WWE this year. But the title reign itself wasn't much. He didn't have any marquee matches, really. And basically, he was just beating guys who were step above chasing the 24-7 champion around. But like I said, low-key, he's been one of the better in-ring performers in the WWE this year. That said, this match didn't have much heat, uh, save for a couple near falls towards the end. It felt below average to me. At least the right guy went over, though. By the way, Priest is not undefeated. He lost a handicap match to Miz and Morrison the night uh, after WrestleMania on Raw. Just uh, WWE thought they were going to slip that by, everybody. They're not slipping it by me. Usos beat the Mysterios to retain the SmackDown tag titles in 1050. Our first SmackDown match of the night after three from Raw to start the show. Splash off the top rope, finished it. Uh, now, I want to talk about this, Dominic. Uh, it was at last year's SummerSlam that he debuted and had a very competent showing against Seth Rollins. One thing WWE does deserve credit for is how they take novices that are in featured matches and make them look competent. Goes all the way back to Mr. T at the first WrestleMania. But over the last year, since that competent performance we saw against Rollins, it's pretty clear Dominic has not really improved, and quite frankly, he's regressed. Uh, He's probably one of my least favorite people on television, to be honest. And judging from the crowd reactions of late, I'm not alone there. He's obviously going heel because that's what WWE does with baby faces that fans are tired of and are losers. It's clear there's going to be a father-son feud with him and Ray. I'm sure Ray is happy to be working with his son, you know, on this big stage. But I 
view this whole thing as a waste of Rey Mysterio. Uh, by the way, I'd seen some chatter on Twitter this morning that Rey was not keen on feuding with Dominic. I know he obviously wanted a team with him, but he, perhaps uh, there is some consternation over the father-son feud, which is kind of unique. I can't remember the last father-son feud um, offhand, at least. Uh, but something to monitor moving forward, whether or not Ray is into the idea of feuding with his son on SmackDown. Uh, what the Usos do moving forward, I don't know. They're associated with Roman, so they um, will obviously be near the top of the card. And I don't think they're in danger of losing these tag team titles anytime soon. Uh, now we get to what you came to hear me talk about. The return of Becky Lynch. Hmm. They say anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. But this was truly amazing. As WWE took what should have been one of the most universally celebrated things possible, the return of Lynch to television, and they made people angry about it. Of course they did. Now, it should be pointed out, none of this would have happened, at least not at SummerSlam, had Sasha Banks been cleared to compete. We still don't know if it's an injury or COVID with Banks, or something else. But with her being MIA, WWE chose to break glass and bring Lynch back. And obviously you want to have Lynch, who's one of your top stars, look impressive in her return. But I want to make this very clear here. I fundamentally disagree with squashing a babyface like this, particularly a babyface who main evented the first night of WrestleMania. This was terrible. You just don't do this. Uh, to someone like Bianca Belair. It just made her look real dumb. And man, you know, I know it's a finish. You know, it's her move that Becky hit her with right off the rip. But you see all these near falls in some of these matches, and it just looks weak, again, for a baby face to lose like that. Uh, then we get the news uh, that we saw on Monday morning. I'm glad that actually we were able to record this a few days after because we can talk about this. Making matters worse, there are rumors that Lynch is going to be working as a heel on SmackDown. Why you would want to take one of your most popular superstars and turn them heel beyond me. It is also interesting, by the way, that Lynch is going to be on SmackDown. She was on Raw before going on maternity leave, obviously. We've heard some rumors of an icy relationship between WWE and Fox. Maybe this is an olive branch of sorts, giving them one of their big stars in Lynch. But my assumption is even the fine folks at Fox, uh, the network, understand that turning Lynch heel seems dumb. Ultimate Warrior versus Honky Talk Man at the first SummerSlam just died and rolled over in its grave. This was very bad. I don't know what they were thinking. Honestly, I would have just rather seen Bianca not wrestle and then come up with another idea moving forward on television. Just terrible. All around. You don't squash baby faces like this unless if they're leaving the territory or, or you know and they haven't been doing anything once you, you just don't want to do this and as far as the heel stuff goes with lynch i should bring this up i can see that being the case based on you know obviously it was a very short match but how it was worked you know becky kind of sucker punched her before hitting the finish so i don't know i think when there's smoke there's fire i think becky lynch is gonna be a heel which is so stupid in a company that lacks top flight baby faces. Just unbelievable. Vince McMahon Sr. is just rolling over in his grave right now. You know, just like the Ultimate Warrior Honky Tonk Man match. Uh, I wish I'd been uh, rolling over in my grave at this point when Drew McIntyre beat Jinder Mahal in 433 with a Claymore kick. 
uh, really bad creative leading up to this match. Motorcycles and swords, really sad stuff. Uh, I'd heard Mahal did a pretty good job putting over his history uh, with McIntyre on the bump, but no one in the crowd seemed to care about this match. Drew's in a real tough spot now as he can't challenge Lashley. So that just means he's going to feud with some more crummy heels, I guess. Uh, this was not as good as Dusty Rhodes versus the Honky Talk Man at SummerSlam 89. Just enjoying your welcome with two Honky Talk Man references on this show from me. Uh, triple threat, Charlotte Flair defeated champion Nikki A.S.H., your girl, and Rhea Ripley to win the Raw Women's title. Honestly, I've got no problem with Charlotte winning here. If they're going to position her as the most prominent woman on the brand, then she might as well be the champ. I mean... All of her matches, they act like she's superior. If you know, even when she's the challenger, she's just make her the champ. It's fine. Um, you know, Rhea, who's still never beaten Charlotte, you know, goes back to last WrestleMania and the match they had. Uh, she's going to chase Charlotte. I assume that's your title feud moving forward. This match did have some hits, like Charlotte hitting a twisting dive to the outside. Uh, also, some misses, like Charlotte whiffing on a big boot and just yet another ugly attempt at doing Andrade's elbow smash. She needs to stop doing that. She just doesn't do it properly. I can't do it properly either, but that's why I'm not a pro wrestler. I just talk about it. Uh, this match was honestly no better or worse than the triple threat that involved Asuka in place of Nikki back at Backlash. And I didn't really care for that one either. So whatever. Um, they worked at kind of a brisk pace, uh, but this just didn't really do anything for me. Uh, as for Nikki A.S.H., your girl who tapped to the figure eight, uh, she was just the means to get rid of the briefcase. That's how we should view her. Guys, let's look big picture. No one in that Money in the Bank ladder match was really over anyway. We mocked it uh, when we previewed it. So WWE just takes a look at it. They decide, hey, let's just have a new character win this briefcase, immediately cash it in. If she gets over, okay, great. If not, we'll just go back to Charlotte. And it was the latter that happened. They just went back to Charlotte. I expect to see Nikki phase down the card in short order. The character, not good. People aren't behind her. I've told you this a million times. Not a lot of people know this, okay? Um, the creative team at WWE just views these briefcases as albatrosses right now. I mean, they're all out of ideas. They don't do long-term planning, so it's hard to set something up months from now. And, you know, having two briefcases it is just a real pain in the ass from their perspective. So with the women, they always get rid of it real quick, I think what is it, the last four women's Money in the Bank briefcase holders have held it for a combined two days? So the briefcase is gone. Creative doesn't have to worry about that. They probably aren't going to worry too much about Nikki A.S.H., almost a superhero, uh, not almost a good Raw women's champion. We'll see what they do with Charlotte and Rhea moving forward. Someone the WWE audience is behind, Edge. He beat Seth Rollins in 21-15 with a crossface. Every WWE pay-per-view, it seems like there's one match that just drives home how I am not as into this product as some other people. And in the case of SummerSlam, it was this match. I just wish Edge's matches were one-eighth as intense as his community theater-style promos. Some people are going to be raising their eyebrows, say, you're an asshole, whatever, man. I just... I couldn't get on board with this. I It scratched the surface of being good, but it wasn't great. Edge is over with the WWE audience. He has the brood entrance. People seem to like that after all these years. True story. I was at a WWE house show in late 98. My FU Fordham hat 
I had blood spit on it by Gangrel. How 1998 of me to have an FU hat. It's kind of embarrassing, by the way. I'm kind of ashamed that I even admitted it on this podcast, but oh well. Um, I read Ryan's column over PWTorch.com. If you haven't, go over there right now and check it out. I know he liked this match more than me. He also likes Edge and Seth Rollins more than me. But to me, the WWE in-house style is just now doing a bad impression of a match I would have liked in 2005. That's all this was to me. Three stars tops again. Maybe good. It wasn't great. Um, I just wasn't into this feud. Not really into this promotion. Something else I'm not into, that segment involving New Day, Miz, and Morrison won't even dignify it by talking about it. Bobby Lashley beat Bill Goldberg in 7-12 via ref stoppage to retain the WWE Championship. This was not good. I don't dislike Goldberg the way Ryan and Justin do, but this was the worst Bill has looked since coming back in 2016. I know some of you are immediately jumping to the Undertaker match in Saudi Arabia, but that was a case of both guys sucking. It wasn't the fault of one guy. Remember, if, if you want to like hate on Bill, let's not forget Undertaker's match against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. Well, I believe a worse in-ring performance than Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. And then there was the Brothers of Destruction DX tag match. So that was both guys sucking. Here, it was totally on Bill. I don't know if his knee was legit hurt. Uh, coming into this, he came out favoring it. Or I don't know if that was just a, a preview and his uh, attempts to sell or what it was. He was just not moving well throughout this match. This lacked the bang-bang style of previous Goldberg matches we've seen in WWE. Remember, I thought him and Drew uh, was pretty good at the Rumble. But the crowd was not into this. They did not want Bill to win. He was booed at times. And by ref stoppage standards, this one was incredibly weak. And Lashley putting Gage Goldberg, Bill's son, in the hurt lock afterwards didn't exactly draw me back in. It seems like we're going to have another match between these two, perhaps in Saudi Arabia, which is just great. I don't think anyone was clamoring for that. But with Drew not able to challenge Lashley, they don't have any baby faces ready for Lashley, do they? Maybe Big E's going to move, because we know The Rock is getting reigns at WrestleMania. At least that's what we all presume. I kind of think Big E's getting moved over in the draft to Raw because, you know, you can only <laughs> trot 50-plus-year-old Bill Goldberg out so many times, and when your top babyface can't work the champ, heel champ, what are you going to do? You, I think Big E's probably headed to Raw. I, we shall see when the draft happens. Main event time, Roman Reigns defeated John Cena in 22-59 to retain the Universal Championship. This was the best match on the show for me. Uh, not a surprise. Didn't think it was some classic, though. I was actually shocked to see Cena work as a total underdog here. In commentary, they weren't giving him much of a chance when he hit that AA to the table. Cole, who was just, I'll talk about this again in a little bit. He was horrible on this show. Him and McAfee. I can't believe people enjoy them. But Cole's like, John's got a chance. John's got a chance. And it was shocking um, just to see Cena work as a total underdog. Uh, It's funny with Roman, too. I'm watching this match. And. I'm thinking back to when they tried to make him a baby face and they'd always book him in these impossible situations where he'd get booed and he'd lose. Now that he's a heel, he comes across as a total badass and he wins all the time, which is generally what people like to see. I think Reigns is so much cooler in this role. It's honestly how he should have been booked as a baby face from the start. Acknowledge me. You know, wreck everything and leave. I'll whoop your ass. And I keep turning back challenges. Uh, The finish was a spear. Kind of felt anticlimactic, which I think has been a theme for the finishes 
of these Reigns title matches uh, throughout his run. Now, talking about turning back challenges, up next for Roman is obviously Brock Lesnar, who came out to end the show. This was the second big surprise of SummerSlam. Cole and McAfee, again, I said they were absolutely atrocious on the show. They were so over the top here, not letting the moment soak in. Cole was like Jim Ross at No Way Out 2003, the night Steve Austin returned, but on steroids. It was just awful. Like, I can't, but like, how can, could you really not believe that Brock Lesnar's back in the WWE? Really? Come on, man. Um, even though Brock and Roman has been done to death, who could forget that infamous three-year chase when Roman was a babyface, this feud, I think, has some legs because of the Heyman tie. And I think, you know, Brock saying, hey, Paul, what are you doing here with this guy? It'll be interesting to see what they do with that and if these two wrestle in Saudi Arabia or at Survivor Series or they stretch it all the way out to the Royal Rumble. I don't know if they can make it all the way to the Royal Rumble. We shall see. Um, I think the feud should play out pretty well. But then again, I didn't think this Rain Cena feud was that great on television. Um, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know I was pretty critical of it. I said what should have felt like this you know, clash of the titans, two of the greats representing their respective generations, honestly just felt like two nerds pretending to be John Cena and Roman Reigns in their EFET. I, I, the shooty promos were just, didn't click. I didn't ever sense any real hatred between these two. And I think ultimately that's why this program fell short of its admittedly lofty expectations. This is something that, man, the Roman Reigns and John Cena should be like right in Vince McMahon's wheelhouse. It's just, I don't know. I guess some people felt it delivered. I really didn't. I, I think this is something that should be talked about for years to come. Um, it won't be forgotten as quickly as the match at uh, No Mercy 2017 was. But I don't think this should be remembered as any kind of all-time classic. Again, I, I just don't. Um, you know, Roman Reigns wins again. We figured he would. Uh, and, you know, he's as dominant as ever. And he'll be going against Brock Lesnar and then The Rock. I think, you know, maybe at WrestleMania uh, next year would be the perfect time to evaluate Roman Reigns' heel run. Because it's all about that big match with The Rock and what they do there. So that's pretty much SummerSlam 2021, everybody. Uh, when it comes time for Extreme Rules next month, I might just lie to y'all and say it's my birthday again. Out.